Welcome to NetSmart Care Threads, a podcast where human services and post-acute leaders across the healthcare continuum come together to discuss industry trends, challenges, and opportunities. Listen as we uncover real stories about how to innovate and improve the quality of care for the communities we serve. Let's get into the show. Welcome to NetSmart Care Threads, a podcast where human services and post-acute leaders across the healthcare continuum come together to discuss industry trends, challenges, and opportunity. Listen as we uncover real stories and have conversations about how to continue to grow and innovate to improve the quality of care for the communities we serve. My name is Tom Herzog and I'm your host today. I serve as the Chief Operating Officer here at NetSmart and I'm excited to introduce a couple of guests today. I think this is going to be the first time I've done a podcast with two people um, at the same time. So it'll be good and we'll manage the conversation and make sure that we don't talk over each other. Winona Bowen serves as a manager of healthcare informatics and IT for Treasure Coast Hospice based in Florida. Also joining us today is Latessa Henson, fellow colleague, vice president of post-acute consulting for NetSmart. Today, we're going to talk about the key steps of a successful electronic healthcare record implementation and the successful adoption by staff. We'll share advice on how to avoid the common challenges that we're all aware of and how to navigate the opportunities that may arise during any large technology implementation. And I'll tell you, as a topic, and this is something I've been doing for over 30 years, uh, this one is uh, very close to me. So we've been a part, many of us have been a part of good implementations and challenging as well. And I think there's an opportunity to iterate and learn together as we go forward. So Winona and Latessa, I want to thank you for this conversation. I know this is you've you've been talking about this now for a while, and there's a blog post out there, and uh, there'll be a soon to be uh, released article on this. How are you both doing? We're doing really well. I'm doing very well. Thank you so much, Tom. Latessa, I'm doing well. I'm doing well also. Thanks. Great. Well, we'll get through the awkward introduction there and we'll jump into some questions. So thank you guys for joining us. And, you know, I'm just going to jump right into a conversation here and I'm going to ask you a question. Um, and, you know, and this is not a new topic, but it's a topic that we're always talking about on what we can we learn, unlearn, and relearn through the process. I remember, you know, I've, I've shared, I've been doing this for almost 30 years now. The implementation 30 years ago was much different than it is today. And it, in the beginning, it was very focused on billing. Now, it's it really extended well beyond that. And what I'd say is while new technology, like a healthcare record, may promise to solve a lot of a provider's bigger, biggest problems or challenges, organization leaders need to step back and consider some of the key steps around that implementation. Winona, you've led numerous implementations throughout your career. What would you say is the first step for a provider should, should think about or um, consider before beginning an implementation of a new application? Well, I think that um, even before the implementation starts, and that's assuming that you've went through an incredibly thorough RFP process to you know, evaluate all the different vendors and you qualify the one that you feel is gonna be the best fit across all your departments, not just 
financial, as you said, or clinical, or, you know, if you have IPU units or, you know, you have to really look at it globally. And um, I think once before you start the actual implementation, you need to really sync with your project team, your implementation team from the vendor side and you need to listen to what they say in terms of this is the bandwidth that you're going to need to have, you know, from your key stakeholders in order to make this implementation successful. And, you know, this is what the scope's going to involve. And it's having a, uh, a great collaboration with your vendor, talking a lot about expectations, making sure you're very candid about, you know, where you see gaps with your company, if it's, you know, you don't have a lot of extra staff in a particular department to help with the implementation, just so you both really understand where you're at before you start. And then being able to clearly articulate what you've discussed together to your leadership team, your executives, and forming a steering committee at that point. And then once you form your steering committee, you're all on the same page and then you start delivering those messages down from, you know, a leadership and departmental perspective. Well, you just gave a wealth of information there. I want to try to, I want to pick up on some of it before we uh, have Latessa weigh in on okay. that. And, and I think one of the things that you hit on is interesting. I want to, I want to pull that out of the conversation. You talked about a very thorough RFP process. Mm-hmm. And then you also talked about the engagement of the project team. For most organizations, those are two entirely different groups. Those who may have run through the RFP and negotiated the process versus those who are implementing the project piece of it. How did you ensure that there was one? Were those the same team for you? Well, I'm not, I can't really speak for most hospices, but I do know that we're nonprofit. So we don't have an excessive amount of staff, you know, just sitting around for operational projects. So we were very involved in the RFP process of making sure that all of our um, departmental leaders got to see demos. We right. wanted their, their buy-in. And so it did. we did end up converting quite a few of those key stakeholders into impl- part of the implement, implementation right. team, excuse me, as super users. So I, I love that. The alignment of the things that you were evaluating during the process also was critical in bringing some of those same stakeholders, to to your point, to the table to ensure that as you implemented going forward, there was um, consistency uh, within within those two pieces. One more question on that before I have Latessa weigh in here. When you talked about, you know, coming together and evaluating scope, walk us through a little bit of that process, because I agree with you. I think there was a lot of conversations, some things get lost in translation, And then you're almost talking about resetting or setting the table as you kick off the project. It sounds like a pretty critical piece because you called that out. What did you do to make sure that happened? Well, we did a lot of, um, I mean, I've had a lot of experience with lean process improvement. So we made sure that we involve our boots on the ground, key stakeholders that are actually doing the work. And we make sure that we understand the way things are now with our current or our soon to be old EMR workflows so that we can clearly understand what we need to do in terms of this implementation to let's say 
we don't want to disturb the clinicians and their workflows as much as possible. So it's really understanding where they're at now and where we need to be with the new implementation. Yeah. Well, it's the proverbial begin with the end in mind. I mean, I think it's, you know, as, as we all sit there and not making any assumptions, what, when I know what, I, what I hear you talk a lot about is, hey, the more we can get clarity up front and make sure we eliminate those assumptions and understand where we're going, the better we're going to be able to hit that target. Because in any project, yep. I, I'm sure this is true for all of us, the day you begin, variant begins. And we're constantly trying to align and bring it back in. Latessa, Absolutely. would love to hear your reaction to that, uh, you know, from the partner side as you begin implementing. And uh, Winona covered many things there from going through a very thorough process up front, the project kickoff, the synchronization, knowing the team accountability. What's your perspective from the partner side? Yeah, so I agree with Winona. Having the right stakeholders as a part of the team is critical. And that needs to be department leads, but also to Winona's point, someone that's boots on the ground that knows the processes and the workflows that exist today in the EHR that need to translate into the new EHR. So we want to have everyone together for those initial discussions. So that way we're not missing people. We're not missing key pieces of information. We want to make sure if there's an IPU, we have someone that knows IPU workflows. Because as we kick off that project, it is a lot of discovery and having those right, the right people there is critical for the implementation. It keeps us on track. It gets us the right information and it also helps us translate into the new EHR. So agree with Winona there. Workflows are another key piece for me as they walk through the demos, through the RFP process. Really, when we get into implementation, not having to revisit Here's a demo of the system. This is what was shown during the RFP process. It really speeds up the beginning of the implementation. So we're not revisiting things that have already happened. Everybody starts from the same point in time because they were involved in the process. So if I were to take one thing from this kind of conversation that we're having right now is, um, and I'm curious if you two would agree with this, is a lot of times we can jump right into project and people just want to go, which is really good. I want to get moving because we can all suffer from a little bit of process analysis, but take the time to understand and make sure that the alignment's happening between both organizations, because the better you're aligned up front, the better chance uh, everyone has to ensure that there's no misunderstanding as the project moves forward. Is that fair? I would agree with that. Making sure that, you know, as a, a client and a vendor, that relationship is built on a foundation of here are the goals for this implementation. So we're all marching towards the same end goal, which are the goals that were established by the client organization. Winona, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree 100%. I was so incredibly thoroughly impressed with the discovery calls and, you know, the beginning, the, the kickoff calls and the organization and structure that was presented to us from NetSmart with our initial, like the hierarchy or the, the plan, the project scope itself. So it was, you know, huge for us. So let's, let's move on to then kind of the next thought. And when we look at successful implementations, we know that it really consists of three things, the marriage of process, people, and technology. And you've already hit a little bit on it from the workflow standpoint, but you can't address any one of these 
um, separately. They almost have to be done in parallel because they complement each other. I'd like to unpack that statement a little bit, that thought a little bit. And as you kicked off a project, and Winona, we can begin with you. And you looked at, you know, you're going to now, you're, you're not just introducing a new app application. You're introducing different ways of maybe doing things. Uh, you, you hit on it earlier. Hey, we used to do it this way, but now we may be doing it this way. And then often there's new technology as well that's implemented. It may not have been mobile before, and now mobile is available now within this piece. How did you think about those things when you were implementing this and the change management aspect of it within your organization? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, I have to say, again, we had the most phenomenal core project team on our side, and we obviously divided them out by each key department. So we had an IPU champion, you know, a, um, a clinical champion, a medical staff services for our providers, our nurse practitioners. And again, we really involved them by educating them, okay, this is what the product's going to look like, and here's the features and benefits, and this is the why behind a change in workflow or a change in technology. So it wasn't like shoving it down their throat, you know, <laughs> oh, it's yes, it's go live, and you're going to be using this kind of dictation device. And, you know, so again, it's engaging them and giving them the opportunity to have buy-in. Yeah, I think you're hitting on, you know, maybe one of the most fundamental aspects, and you hit on it in the previous question as well. The more people have a voice, a seat at the table, I think the better I you, we see projects go live. These are challenging. They do introduce change. In many ways, they're some of the biggest um, projects an organization will take off. And I love when I know what you said is you identified specific champions. So that they're bringing their persona and perspective to the table to ensure the voice is heard, it's understood, and how are we addressing both opportunities and challenges out there? Latessa, what's your reaction? I know that when we, uh, when you and I are working on various things and we're constantly looking at continuous improvement, it really always comes down to this people, process, and technologies aspect. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah. So, as far as a champion, I mean to Winona's point, it's critical. We also call, we have champions, we also have super users. And really as we outline, okay, here's the workflow today, here's the new technology, here's the adjustments that need to be made, and here's why. That enables those champions and super users to end up troubleshooting and really being the champion to their teams that they work with, saying, I understand, your question. I understand your concern. This is why we need to do it this way. And it really helps create that relationship with the super users and the champions with the end users to where it does create somewhat um, of a community there to where questions can be asked and they know why something is the way that it is. Hey, this is why this process had to change. It may be regulatory. It may be people. It may be because there's a new piece of technology that they didn't have before. And so all of those conversations really help with the implementations and making the end users successful at the end of the implementation. So you use two words there, champion and super user. What's the difference? Sometimes they can be the same, Tom. Sometimes right. your champions are your super users. And sometimes you have both champions, which could be department leads. And then you also have super users that are really involved in the day-to-day 
roles that our end users are in, they're the ones that the end users come to first. So they can be one and the same, or they can be separate. Winona, what makes a great champion? Someone who steps in that role and says, you know what, I'm going to offer to be a champion here. And we've all said pretty essential and they can be the same, but I think they're totally different roles. Um, they can complement each other, but the expectations of a champion is different than a super user, even though they can be the same. So let's unpack that a little bit. What, Winona, from your perspective, what makes a great champion? I think the champion, you, you take ownership. I mean, I can speak very matter-of-factly about our clinical project champion, Lisa Latance, and our um, IPU clinical project champion, Shannon Cooper. I mean, they literally, like night and day, like we were all attached at the hip. And, you know, we, we did the whole thing together where we would understand the workflows of all the departments and look at our current tip sheets and our training information and how is this workflow from the old EMR, what's this how is this tip sheet going to have to change? And, you know, so you just really make sure that, you know, all the, the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed and that you're empowering and communicating with your super users as well to get their feedback and buy-in laterally as you're doing all this. Latessa, I'm going to ask you, you know, you, you, you have the responsibility for these implementations and projects in our post-acute communities. How many projects actually have champions identified in their project? Just a, a guesstimate. 50%? Yeah, I think probably so. Probably have champions. So, and I think, you know, we, I think that's one of the things that we would really encourage everyone. I know this isn't a new thought, but maybe the prioritization and the importance of the role is a newer thought. Meaning that in, in Latessa, you said it earlier in the conversation, you talked about super users, you talked about champions, and then you talked about the community. I think community happens when you have really good people who understand what it means to be a super user, which is contextually understanding how that workflow, or maybe better said knowledge flow, is impacting the organization. And then the champion who's able to communicate across the continuum to the project team, to the stakeholders, to leadership, to end users, and making sure that those components. So we may come back to that at the end, because I think when we talk about maybe the, the tips or things that that are absolutely essential. I'll tell you, I, one of the very first things I do when I get brought in to work on a project is who's the champions? Because their advocacy is fundamentally um, essential to the project. So let's, let's then go then to a little bit of the pitfalls and talk about some of the common challenges around the implementation of an EHR. And we all know that projects, as soon as you hear the word project, the first thing that comes to mind is how are we gonna address the challenges? We may not know what they are, but we know that there's gonna be uh, ch challenges. Best laid plans allow us then to be able to help. And I guess Winona, what's the number one mistake or challenge you've seen that causes an implementation to maybe not go as smooth as it can? Well, <laughs> Um, I could probably list a few, but I think, again, this all keeps tying back to, you know, you have to look at who your champions and your super users are and make sure that you have enough key stakeholders and bandwidth to successfully implement the project itself, because you can have the greatest software on the face of the earth. And if you have a poorly executed implementation, if you don't have buy-in, if people don't know what they're doing in the front line, it doesn't matter how great the, the actual 
um, technology is, it's you're going to fail from an implementation perspective. So, you know, that and you just, you, you have to be able to involve your front line as much as humanly possible. Is everybody um, able to be on the project team? No. I mean, I think... You know, in the beginning, there are people here that we're going to get a new EMR and, you know, they want to be involved because they want to be part of a team. But then when they fully understand the commitment and how they're going to be held accountable to do specific, you know, pieces of the scope of the project, they're kind of like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I can't do that and work 40 hours a week. So, you know. It's not always easy to find your volunteers. <laughs> I think it's a tough conversation is, um, you know, that even though there might be even be a will that may, is this the right fit for that person? Um, not just from a time with or a bandwidth, but is this something that you're passionate about? I mean, you hit on the number one thing and that's around the people aspect of it. I mean, there's a lot of navigating and understanding the concerns and the needs and how those can be addressed and maybe done differently than what it was done before. And we've all had the notion of, hey, that's not how we've always done it. And we know technology constantly challenges us to say, hey, there might be a, a different way. I didn't always say better, but there's a different way. Ideally, it's better in doing that. So Latessa, I guess I'd ask you, how can providers or organizations best address these challenges or pitfalls in order to ensure that their projects are wildly successful? So a couple different things. So bandwidth is critical, and that's attending meetings as we're going through data collection, um, as we're talking through existing workflows, as we're demonstrating how the new EHR will accommodate and maybe adjust some of those workflows. And then a huge piece of it that not everyone focuses on, and it's really the first thing to suffer if there's a bandwidth problem, is testing. Mm -hmm. So once we've built your EHR and your workflows, we have to have the bandwidth to test the system that we've designed. It's a critical piece in the implementation to make sure that we're testing end to end. In every workflow, in every role, we have to do that end to end testing. So we make sure, yes, this is built correctly. This is how we're going to use it because it's not just a, hey, there's a misspelling on this form. It really goes into, do you know how to use the system? Can you execute the workflow in the system? We want them to do that testing prior to go live. So that's a big piece of it. And then the other piece from a successful implementation perspective is communication. Between the client and vendor, communication is the key to success. And I will give all the credit to Winona and her team because they were great and continue to be great communicators with NetSmart of, okay, here's what we're seeing, or I have a question. Hey, do you have availability for a call? I don't understand this. Can you walk me through it? And really keeping those lines of communication open to where they can say, hey, this is what I'm seeing. We can respond. If we need to meet, we can meet on those things. But really keeping those lines of communication open because if there's something that needs to be addressed but it's not being communicated across, we can't help fix it. Um, and it may be as simple as, oh, instead of going here, you go here. So as, as long as we have the bandwidth, the testing, and then that communication, those things are key for these implementations. So I guess I'll ask on that um, because you you talked about, I liked how you used the word continue. So once you go live, are we done? Never. <laughs> so I no. think in, in today's world, we know that as soon as you begin and launch, 
uh, it creates the next iteration. And there's even new thoughts and ideas, or there's new technologies, or there's new needs to address, or new modalities of care that we want to bring to the table, and we continue to work on there. Uh, to, we continue to work and collaborate on that together. I, I, you know, I ask you, Winona, how how are you guys addressing? You know, you you talked. Latessa just talked about training. We talked about the education piece, um, and those are really two different things. I mean, we uh, we use those words with intent. Is education is kind of the awareness of what's kind of possible. The training is the actual implementation and how to use that. So as you continue your journey in expanding your um, EHR to fully meet the needs, how are you guys doing that today? Well, this is, I mean, the the post-go-live plans that were presented to us um, from Not Smart has completely knocked my socks off. I mean, we had um, a post-go-live plan where we worked with still our implementation team, literally at like the, the second we went live and, you know, we had set up all kinds of communication methods and, you know, it was just like a, a well-oiled wheel between both companies. And so I think that our end users felt that extra layer of support, not only just from us helping them, but also from, from NetSmart and our implementation team. Um, and also, I mean, even today, we're in the second phase of working with a success team and their, you know, actual um, specialists in finance and billing and, you know, rev cycle and clinical. And now we're working on, you know, like, well, do we need to change this form or do we need to change this process now that we've been live X amount of days and they're quick and they can just help us to do it on calls together. And so I think that, you know, going from a, a very simple, small EMR to a substantially large EMR as we did, it, it was one of the smoothest implementations I've, I've ever been through before. Latessa, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, so as we go through a go live, like we said, it, it's never the end and it should never be the end. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be, hey, we have a new regulatory requirement. This form needs to be adjusted. This report then needs to be adjusted. Uh, maybe our custom claim format needs to change. So it's a process and it's a process within the implementation um, even post go live through the success team. And then from a vendor's perspective, how do we maintain that with relationships ongoing post all of those activities? So if, if Winona says, Hey, I have a need, um, I have a question. Hey, I have an area of concern or, Hey, I saw this new functionality came out. Can I get a demonstration of it? And how do we keep iterating on that EHR and the implementation as new functionality is released in order to optimize our end users and their workflows? So really maintaining those relationships long-term, it's not a handoff from one team to the next, building those relationships that are long-term uh, with the relationship between the client and the vendor. So, and I like how you both said is you've thought about this as in phases. There was the original launch phase went on, as you said, you're now in this next phase of um, adding more capabilities to the system. Uh, you talked about the success team, and I like that name. Uh, mm -hmm. So it, it kind of declares we're going to be uh, successful on there. How, I guess I'm going to ask you, how has it gone? Is it working? And are you happy with the not just the process, but the choice and where you're at? today? No, I would say, um, you know, that we're very happy 
with the product and um, the technology. And I mean, there's, we have quite a few different workflow processes that we had to roll out. And I think that again was, you know, one of our biggest challenges is all of the, the people and the end users and in a culture change and all of that, but not smart was there with us and, you know, helped us through that. And I think that having the extra support post go live, which I have not seen traditionally, um, was definitely um, helped us substantially and, and, you know, helped our end users feel comfortable. And, you know, we have um, the managed services, the one team help desk that we used post go live, which was instrumental because if there were issues that even our super user team didn't know yet, then our end users had that, you know, support number that they could go to and talk to a not smart subject matter expert that could help them right away. So, um, you know, the managed services, the client um, PM services in one team were instrumental for us to be where we're at today, definitely. Well, I'll tell you, congrats on a, I know that you um, didn't just ease into this. As you said, you introduced a lot of change. You um, introduced new capabilities and things that you necessarily hadn't done before. You also, I liked how you said it is, hey, we're going to go, this is phase one. We're going to go launch. And then here comes the next iteration. And we're going to ensure that we're working together. And both of you have said that the key here, and this kind of, I want to transition to the next thought here is that the key here has been the collaboration and maybe an easy word to use, but I don't know about you guys, that doesn't happen without a lot of intentionality on both sides. And I guess on this last thought, before we get to some, some, some closing points is when you look at what it takes to be successful. We all want our projects to be successful. We want to have success. We want to be able to be able to tell that story. What would you tell our audience is, is the key to making that happen? Just a, a few points, if you will. Well, I, I am so great. So grateful to our executive team who really heard us out like the core project team who, again, are analyzing and evaluating what's going to change future state versus what's current state. And when we went to them and proposed the certain gaps that we saw happening, um, especially with bandwidth or, you know, what it would take to help our end users, you know, to avoid as, as many hiccups as possible while they're out there trying to take care of patients, they were very willing to support us and add on you know, some extra um, PM managed services and the one team, because we don't have that here with us. We didn't have that bandwidth. So the support from your executive team is, is, is very important. Yeah, I like how you, you didn't implement an IT project. You're implementing something that is going to help your organization provide the care and services to the communities um, that that you serve, and it was it required an all hands on deck. Let's all work together on that. Latessa, how about you? A big piece for me is a relationship. You know, we can get through a lot of hurdles throughout the implementation if we just have the right relationship. And the you know, Winona and her team are really easy to work with, <laughs> and really easy to build that relationship with. So our teams really built a really strong and solid relationship between the two of them. And that's, that's really 
a positive, both short-term and an implementation and long-term with a client and with a vendor, with an EHR implementation. And they're not, you know, okay, you're out of implementation. You've gone live a year ago. Um, I can foresee, you know, some of those relationships will last a lot longer than that. Hey, I have a question. I'm going to reach out to so-and-so because I still talk to them. So a lot of those relationships help not only answer questions from the client perspective, but also from the vendor perspective of saying, Hey, we think this is what the industry is asking for. Winona, can you talk to your team? Is this something that you guys would be interested in? So the relationship helps us with the implementation, but it also helps us long-term on both sides of that relationship. So if I were to basically recap kind of what we've talked about today is, uh, Winona, you started with it, is start with clarity. I mean, even after the RFP process, you gave a specific example where both teams, a lot of times it's called a project charter, but you really went beyond the project charter. You made sure who's at the table, stakeholders, champions, super users. And I love the fact that you called out, hey, we were fortunate to be able to ensure we had buy-ins at all levels of the organizations. Those who are often frontline users to, to the leadership team and really ensuring that, hey, it's not just a support of implementing the solution, but the organizational change that was going to happen around that and ensuring that you had the resources to go, go through it. So I, I think the clarity is the first thing that I heard. The next piece then is the alignment, the continual alignment. In, in the conversations. And many of the things that both of you made reference to was didn't happen in the meetings, the check-ins or the stand-ups. They were the things what I call the in-betweens. I can often tell when a project is going to be successful by the willingness of either party to be able to maybe stop pause and have that conversation of, is this the right thing to be doing? Can we be doing it better? Hey, we may have been going down this path, but should we stop and go down a different path? And those aren't always easy conversations to have. And then the last thing I heard from you both was focus is, hey, we we need to ensure I liked how Winona, I'm going to borrow some more words from you, the phase one, the phase two, the success team, you were very specific about, hey, in this project, we have key milestones and things that we need to hit, and we need to make sure that those happen. Phase two can't happen unless phase one gets done. The ongoing addition of those pieces is a continual process and engagement in that. So I think, you know, this is... One of the biggest challenges that organizations will always have is implementing technology. Uh, I think the last thing that I that I heard that made all that clarity alignment focus work was what you two expressed so well here today, and that was the ability to communicate and collaborate and making sure that there was good relationships within the team. And I guess before I totally landed is maybe that's one bit of advice. When those relationships aren't necessarily working perfectly well, what did you do to ensure that they did work? Well, like Latessa said, I mean, I was so incredibly impressed with, you know, everywhere from the sales team to the team I worked with in the implementation to the success team and just genuine people. Maybe it's the Midwest <laughs> sort of, you know, I don't know, catering to, to Midwest people, but I've just never had that sort of almost like bond with our NetSmart teams. And it still progresses at, to Latessa's point. And, you know, I just think that that's so important, you know, for an, a successful yeah. uh, implementation. I agree. Latessa, thoughts on that? 
Yeah. So I think a lot of it, I mean, with that relationship building, even when we run into obstacles of, you know, some relationships within the two teams aren't as strong, we come together as a group to strengthen those relationships. So when we do, you know, the sales to consulting transition, how are we doing those handoffs? Was the sales representative handing off to the implementation team? Hey, this is so-and-so. You've been working with me through the RFP process. I've worked with this person for X amount of time. They're great. They'll get you taken care of open lines of communication and full transparency and clarity between the two, you know, client vendor, whether it's sales or implementation or success or managed services or one team, making sure that we're all in alignment is going to strengthen that relationship. Well, you were both, you both did what I hope you would do. And that is you just define collaboration. Collaboration just doesn't happen. It's an easy word to put out there, but you mentioned taking the time that when some of the relationships weren't as strong to pause and go make those things happen and being very intentional. And I think uh, if there's anything we've learned over the past couple of years for us to adapt and pivot and find our way through challenging times, it takes collaboration and projects represent that. They represent kind of the best and the most challenging opportunities. And the more we connect and collaborate together, some amazing things can happen. Winona Latessa, I want to thank you for the conversation today. Just outstanding. I think we could talk on this topic for much longer. So we may have to have a part two at another time because I know some of the questions that are going to be coming. But I guess before then, how can our listeners get connected with you if they wanted to reach out and ask you a question? I'm on LinkedIn under Winona Bowen. So I'm always happy to answer any questions, you know, same thing, Latessa. I mean, you know, you have anyone that needs questions. It's a, like a client that's getting ready to implement the girls know, like if they, they have any questions they can ask because I, you know, it's nice to be able to help people to know what they're, you know, to look forward to. Absolutely. Latessa, same for you. Uh, Same for me. I'm also on LinkedIn. You can communicate with me there. Or if you can, even if you call NetSmart, track me down. Somebody, somebody will, somebody will get you connected with me. So, but LinkedIn's um, probably the easiest way, Tom. Okay. Well, we'll make sure. I've always, I always like to, we'll include that in the show notes. I think that's what all the podcasters do, and we'll make that happen. <laughs> so, thank you both. That's a wrap. Uh, great conversation today and looking forward. And I know just for our audience, we'll also include the links. There's been a blog post out there on uh, this and we have upcoming articles and publications that are going to be released as well. And by the time that this makes it to the airwaves, I think we'll be able to share that as well. So some exciting things. Thank you both for your leadership how you show us how to make things happen in your own story and being able to uh, really as a gift to the audience of, hey, we're all in this together. And when we work together, some amazing things can happen. That's a wrap. Everyone have a wonderful day. At NetSmart, we understand the challenges facing provider organizations. Our team will help you navigate changing value-based care models with solutions and services that make person-centered care a reality. We'll equip you with technology and services that provide holistic, real-time views of care histories that inform better decision-making and better outcomes. Visit us today at ntst.com. NetSmart, serving you so you can serve others.
Thanks for listening to the NetSmart Care Threads podcast. Through collaboration and conversation, we can work together to make healthcare more connected than ever before and better support the communities we serve. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars that you think the podcast deserves. Until next time.